If you're new here, welcome. My name is Elsie Seberg. I'm an online health and fitness coach. And today I'm talking about a couple of things in terms of stress. Now, this is something that I've personally dealt with, but I've also helped hundreds of clients manage their mental, physical, and emotional stressors to help improve their body composition, improve their quality of life, and improve the responsiveness of all these bodily functions for better physical results. We don't realize how detrimental stress is to our progress. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, I know I'm too stressed, but I don't necessarily know how to get my body to respond again. I am taking one-on-one clients. That's the best and most effective way to work with me right now. So I want you to go to the show notes. I want you to fill out an application. Once you fill out that application with some info, I'll reach out to you personally and we'll just talk about if it's a good fit for us to work together. Thank you for coming back and joining me on the podcast here, guys. Today, I'm going to level with you. I'm going to get really vulnerable and kind of expose myself because I realized I was being a little bit hypocritical. I preach, slow down, you know, stop being so go, go, go. Don't run yourself into the ground. You know, do everything you can to build joy and rest when you need it. And I just got some lab work back a couple of weeks ago, and I had a pretty startlingly high cortisol level on my lab panel. And granted, it was a blood test, so it was a snapshot in time. And our cortisol is naturally going to be a little bit higher in the morning, but it was still on that higher end. So it was a pretty big wake-up call for me. I, just by nature, am pretty driven. I love to work hard. I love to train hard. I love to be on the go. I love to be busy. And that is not conducive sometimes to balanced hormones. So it was a good um, reminder that I need to get back to implementing a lot of the things that I know to be supportive of healthy cortisol levels and stress management. And, you know, sometimes we will have seasons in our life like that where things get busy, we've got a lot going on, maybe there's tension in relationships, maybe there's stress at work, maybe it's just a busy season, and our bodies perceive that whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be a combination of everything, and knowing how something works and how to avoid it and actually doing it are two different things. So the first thing I want to talk about is what is cortisol? Cortisol is a steroid hormone derived from cholesterol, which is a precursor to hormone. So basically, stress causes our body to turn cholesterol into cortisol. It's released through our adrenals, which is a little tiny, tiny um, organ on the back of our kidneys. And instead of turning that cholesterol into other hormones like estrogen or testosterone, it turns it into cortisol. So that is why it's very common to see high levels of cortisol alongside estrogen dominance because this stress steals hormones and minerals from doing other purposes, serving other purposes in the body. So it's going to cause imbalances. We also know that when cortisol goes up, so does estrogen. So if we have low testosterone, we don't have enough testosterone to help oppose that cortisol. Same with human growth hormone. So basically cortisol is a, a catabolic hormone. It breaks muscle tissue and tissues down. 
human growth hormone and testosterone, anabolic. So they are going to be what help repair, build muscle. So if you're in that stress state, you may find, wow, I feel like I'm losing muscle or I'm losing strength. I feel weaker. And this is in a chronic state where we've got chronically elevated cortisol for a long time. So essentially, these highly levels, high levels of cortisol, when left unchecked, can burn out our adrenal glands because eventually we'll realize our bodies just stop responding to the release of cortisol, which is supposed to kind of give us that alert. We go into that fight or flight state. If we are in that fight or flight state all the time, it is not good. So like a lot of other hormonal rhythms in the body, we have what we know we've talked about circadian rhythm. We also have a rhythm with our cortisol levels. So they're highest in the morning and then they dip down. It's a natural wake up call. So we get outside. If we get sunlight on our face, our cortisol is high. It wakes us up. It gives us focus and energy for the day. And then as the day goes on, it tapers off, it lowers. And then at nighttime, we start producing melatonin, which is how we fall asleep. So if we have dysregulated cortisol levels or cortisol levels that are too high, we're going to have a lot of disruptions with other hormones. So maybe lack of melatonin. Maybe we're having disrupted sleep then. So we're not sleeping great. That way we're not producing those other opposing hormones. So the things that help our body recover and repair from the stress, if we're not getting into that good REM sleep, because we're running on stress all day long and then we're not producing enough melatonin to fall asleep naturally, we're going to have a hard time. It's going to negatively affect body composition. It's going to negatively affect our, our hormones, our internal health, thyroid, metabolism. So this is why it's so key to get out of that fight or flight state and get back into the parasympathetic, the rest and digest. We don't want to live in this chronically elevated state of cortisol all the time. So it should be high. I want to reiterate that cortisol is not the enemy. We need it. And there is basically what we can call good and bad stress. So more so chronic or acute. Short-term cortisol releases are not bad. They help us react in times of chaos or emergencies or prevent us from feeling pain, let's say, if we get in an accident or something like that. They are there to protect us. It's our body's way of saying, oh, there's a threat. We need to deal with it. So there are so many different forms of stress, but that you stress, the good stress, is a discomfort, but it's short-lived, so then we get relief afterwards. It's over quickly. can be part even of a positive life experience. So maybe you have a deadline for a test or something at work or maybe a tough, intense workout, but then it ends and the stress goes away. We recover. We return back to a balanced state. So there is a balance to that. It's when stress goes left unchecked. It lasts a long time. It's chronic. It's ongoing. Usually there's a negative connotation there. So oftentimes we can negatively exacerbate this in our minds too. Something that we're maybe constantly thinking about, it's weighing on us. We're spiraling in our brains. We cause that stress level to stay elevated because we stress over it, even if it's not physically happening anymore or it's not physically threatening us in the present moment, we're still having that perceived level of high stress. Our bodies don't really know the difference. 
because it feels create that that cycle in our minds it feels inescapable for us so like we we become the victim to this stress mindset we won't go into the the science of it but basically caffeine helps to keep that cortisol elevated it spikes caffeine alcohol use things like that that aren't offset by positive habits we also have the mental and emotional side and like i said this is huge maybe it's toxic relationships maybe it's lack of connection we were meant to be connected and have that co-regulation. If we don't have that, if we're isolated, that is a huge form of stress. Um, it could be pent up, you know, trauma or hurt from our childhood. Could be strained family dynamics. Um, maybe your living environment is very stressful because of strained relationships. So many things. Even just, you know that person who's always stuck in their head, kind of overthinking, kind of creating problems that, like I said, might not even be there, that's a form of stress. Our bodies don't know the difference. They don't know if we're stuck in traffic or if we're being chased by a bear. They just know they have one job. Our, our nervous system has one job, and it's to keep us protected, to keep us alive, to keep us safe. Even the people, you know, if you're one to overcommit or to just say yes to everything and you your plate is overflowing and you don't have any time for yourself, and you're out the door for 12, 14 hours a day, nonstop, that's the stress. We're not resting enough. There has to be that balance. And this is something that I've been guilty of too. I, I fill my days and I don't want to have any downtime and I don't want to rest. I'm resistant to rest. We need to figure out why we're resistant to rest in the first place. Even just lack of sunlight. So if you think about the way we were designed to live, the way our ancestors lived when they were thriving. You know, they were outside in the sun during the day. They didn't have dysregulated circadian rhythms because they got so much natural sunlight. Now we're exposed to this blue light all day long. And then even after the sun goes down, we're on screens all the time. We're overstimulated. We don't have those cues to our body that, hey, it's daytime. Let's be awake. Let's be productive. Let's get our work done. And then at nighttime, it's time to unwind. It's time to relax and rejuvenate. It's going to be individual to each person, but there are so many different types of stress that we don't think of. We have what's called our allostatic load. So this is the amount of stress that our bodies can handle. If we fill that bucket constantly and we never de-stress, we never take time to manage and regulate and get back into a peaceful state, at some point, there's a breaking point. That's when these hormonal cascades start to happen. That's when biofeedback starts to slip. That's when thyroid is affected, sex hormones are affected, metabolism is affected. We're like, why am I gaining weight? Why am I sore all the time? You know, why am I not motivated? Why am I always in a bad mood? It's this imbalance in way too much stress left unmanaged. We're not checking in with ourselves, and we don't use it, usually realize it until it's too late. Not too late, but past the point where we can't just take one day off, you know, and recover and have it be better. It's going to take time. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get out overnight. And I see this very often in clients who are maybe hitting protocols perfectly, but maybe we're in a deficit and then they had a really busy life event come up. And all of a sudden, their body's not responding. 
or their body composition is even going in the wrong direction, despite being on point, that's when we have to check in and say, okay, are we really managing these things? Are we really being honest about, you know, how we're taking care of ourselves or even how we're mentally reframing or framing that perceived stress? Sometimes the way we perceive that stress can dictate it. So mindset is the only difference between like anxiety and excitement. Our body goes through the same process when we get excited about something or we get anxious. It's the same hormonal response. So if we just shift sometimes to that more awareness, more present in the present moment instead of spiraling in our heads, we can sometimes reframe something that could have been perceived negatively and then affected us negatively into kind of almost that glass half full mentality. And obviously there are things where it's going to be negative and we can't really rewrite the script. However, it's has more to do with training our body to increase capacity to handle stress. And this can be a double-edged sword because I think for me personally, I have a very, very high capacity to handle stress. And I like to say that I do it pretty well. However, that doesn't mean that we can just keep putting more stuff on our plate and keep neglecting to decompress and keep neglecting to take get back to the basics of managing it and nothing bad's ever going to happen. We can minimize the effects of that acute stress. And let's say I have, you know, a deadline coming up. I can look at that with anxiety or I can look at that with excitement. And it has to do a lot with our mindset, but we still have to know, okay, we can't stay here in this stressed out state. So a lot of it is going to come down to lifestyle. A lot of it is going to come down to mindset. And I want to talk about some tactical ways that you can prevent yourself from getting into this burned out state. Because like I said, if you have physique goals, or even if you don't, you do not want to get to a place where your cortisol is high and you're having hormonal issues. And, you know, if you, let's say you're a woman and you've got a really stressful month. Our cycles are very, very sensitive to these changes in stress levels. So you'll notice if you have a very stressful couple of months, our cycle is usually a glimpse into how our body has been handling stress for the last one to three months. So if all of a sudden you're like, what what the heck, my cycle is late or it's early or it's, you know, it didn't come at all or I'm having random spotting or my PMS is all of a sudden really bad and I never have PMS. Those are all check engine lights from your body saying, hey, slow it down. This is what we need to do in order to get back to a more balanced state. It's saying, hey, there's too much stress and there's not enough rest and there's not enough recovery from that stress. So that's what we want to pay attention right away. Hey, my I feel a little bit inflamed or hey, I feel like my skin isn't as great or I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time recovering from my workouts. I'm really sore. Those are all signs like, hey, stress is too high. Hey, you're doing too much. So before we get into talking about what you can do to practically manage that stress and cope, I do want to make a small note that a lot of people will turn right away to 
oh my gosh, I need to throw in all these supplements or, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and, you know, they get overwhelmed trying to manage their stress. These are all small changes you can make. You don't need to go changing everything at once. Instead of focusing on high cortisol or high stress being the problem, let's instead look and have a kind of reverse engineer mindset and say, what's causing this in the first place? Because we can try to band-aid it all we want, but if we don't get to the root of what caused it in the first place, we're kind of missing, we're kind of missing the whole point. A few of the most common root causes of stress that I see are some things that I already mentioned, but sometimes it's simply lifestyle things that we don't deem as stressors. So number one is overtraining. If you are doing a ton of HIIT cardio, if you are doing a ton of circuit training, if you are even lifting intensely a lot and not taking adequate rest days, or that's just putting you over the top, like we said, it's a stress bucket. There's not always one reason why. It's a combination of many factors. And usually one is too much cardio or too much because of the way our body perceives that stress and the way that we tend to get in routines where we want to go, you know, hit the, I, I see people who will do like cycling, like six days a week. Our adrenals were not meant to be running from the tiger life or death six days a week for an hour on the spin bike. And oftentimes that puts us in a worse spot than we were before. And it's usually not going to benefit our physique in the way we want to. And we become addicted to that, to that stress. So overtraining is one. I never want to see someone, honestly, five days a week of training is more than probably enough. Oftentimes, especially as women, we will see improvements in our physique, training less. Focus on quality. Focus on, yes, you want to bring some intensity, but as women, like we can't train to failure every single day. We can't always go balls to the wall, especially at certain times in our cycle. We need to listen to our bodies a little bit more. Take those rest days. Do more restorative movement in in tandem. So if you don't want to take a full rest day for, you know, three days a week, go to a yoga class. Get a, get a walk-in. Do some like swimming or do something else. Move your body, but find ways to do it that are more restorative. I also never want anyone training. Honestly, 50, 60 minutes is probably good enough. I don't want you in the gym for hours and hours. We're not training for a competition. We don't want to be putting our body at that certain point. We talked about cortisol being a catabolic hormone. So it's going to increase when we're training. At a certain point, at about that hour mark, eventually it becomes destructive. And we don't want to be in the gym trying to work out and actually breaking down muscle tissue. So we need to get our bodies. The goal is to get in and get out. Get, get your workout in, do quality work, and then recover. And then get out of that stress state. Number two is caffeine. Like I said, guys, caffeine is very, very touchy. And our bodies are sensitive, so sensitive to that basically dose of stress hormones. So caffeine drops our blood sugar and it's going to create this cascade where we're dysregulated all day long, 
dysregulated blood sugar is a stressor on your body. It has to work extra hard to get glucose in. It thinks there's an emergency. It thinks, oh my gosh, increase in cortisol. We're, we're, we need food. We need energy in the cells ASAP. When truthfully, you're just trying to focus. You're just basically trying to you know, wake up. It's compounding the issue. We also never want to consume caffeine on an empty stomach. And the the way that you can go about consuming caffeine most beneficially without hurting your hormones is consuming it about an hour and a half after you wake up. So cortisol spikes and that adrenaline spikes when we wake up in the morning. We want to give our bodies time. (laughs) Don't go putting gas on a dumpster fire right away in the morning. Have some food. Have a balanced meal, have some protein, and then have your coffee after. Uh, Maybe mid-morning would be more ideal. If you find that you crash in the afternoon, it's likely because you are dysregulating your blood sugar early in the morning with coffee or tons of caffeine, and your body's having a hard time regulating that for the rest of the day. So don't go overdoing caffeine. I don't like to see clients honestly having anywhere from like 150 to 200 max per day. I would love if you could stay under that. And the cool thing is most of the time when we wean you off of relying on caffeine and get your natural energy back, you don't need it. And you'll find that, wow, I didn't realize caffeine was the reason that I was so anxious all the time. And it that's for me, at least I know it makes it so much worse. So I'd like to avoid relying on caffeine if we can help it and giving your body a chance to just produce that natural energy. We have those natural hormone fluctuations for a reason. Our bodies know we want to be awake and alert during the day. The third most common thing I see is under eating. So as women, we don't realize that being in a calorie deficit is a stressor. Can it be beneficial in some cases if you have body fat to lose? Being obese is a stressor. So we need to, you know, pick our battles. But long term, under eating, especially in tandem with overtraining and under recovering, eating too few calories, too few fats, too few carbs is so, so detrimental, not only to your physique progress, but to your hormones. And that cortisol is going to be sky high, honey, and your progesterone, your testosterone is going to be tanked. And so we don't want that. It's not going to, you're not going to get to where you want to be in terms of physique changes if you run yourself into the ground, and starve yourself. So we need to make sure we're getting enough. Carbs help blunt the cortisol response. So we want to make sure we're fueling, and especially around training. When we can get carbs in prior and after, we're going to help improve performance. We're going to help recovery, muscle growth. It's so crucial. Because like we said, we want to get in and get out of our training session. So train hard, but recover harder. Carbs are huge. Protein is huge. If we don't get enough bioavailable protein, I love around one gram per pound of body weight. If you can get more, awesome. But that is also going to help our bodies not to break down. When we are in that high cortisol state, we're more disposed to breaking down muscle tissue. We want enough protein to help spare that. So protein, carbs, fats. We talked about fats being the precursor to hormones. We need we need dietary fats, um, and we'll talk kind of about optimal ones for hormone health as well. But lastly, what I don't want you to do is be a worry wart. The perceived mental, the psychological stressors 
on our body, I told you, your body doesn't know the difference. So when we're in our heads all the time, we're constantly worrying, we're constantly thinking about the next thing we have to do. We're constantly stressing over this person. And that's where relationships come into play, where if you have a relationship that's not healthy or a person in your life that's not healthy or something that's really stressing you out 24-7, it's so detrimental. And honestly, I think that's probably, if not the most, one of the most common causes of the HPA axis dysfunction, which is really where all of this stems from. When we have that chronically elevated cortisol, our HPA axis in our brain doesn't know how to like get us out of this stress state because we've got stress coming from every single which way. And we don't know how to you know, our hypothalamus, pituitary glands, adrenal glands, they play a role in the response to stress. So it controls everything, controls hormones, stress control, body temperature. And if it's cranked into overdrive all the time, we're going to be absolutely in a world of hurt, not going to feel good, but you're also going to have disruptions down the board. It starts that hormonal cascade. So we also need to pay attention to our mindset and paying attention to who we're surrounding ourselves with. We are our environment. So especially things like living environments, things like friend groups, family dynamics, you have to, at the end of the day, prioritize yourself. You have to prioritize your mental health, your physical well-being. You only get one. And so if something, if you, and you know, you know who I'm talking about. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have anybody in my life that's that stressful. You know. You lay in bed and you're like, oh, I feel like I got punched in the stomach because this person's always upset with me or this this person's always, you know, picking a fight. They're putting me down. That person, <laughs> that's the person. Draw boundaries. Set yourself up to, we can't heal in the same environment we got sick in. So mental mindset is huge. Um, and honestly, it comes down to sometimes just weeding our lives, pulling out the things that are causing us so much of that distress and instead putting down some new seeds where we can plant stuff that brings us that joy, the things that make us happy. Like when you leave somewhere or you, you know, say goodbye to somebody and you were hanging out with them and you're like, dang, I love them. Like, I just feel so good. We need more of those people. And I promise you they're out there. Poor friends, surrounding yourself with like poor friends or poor relationships that are not doing you any good, it's not worth it. There's so many better people out there. So now that my little TED talk about relationships is is over, I am going to give you guys some tactical takeaways in addition to what I just talked about on how we can get you back from a place of too much stress and how to manage it. So some rapid fire ways that you can help your body not only manage stress, but recover from too much stress and get you back to a place where I'm going to talk about a few things in terms of nutrition, in terms of lifestyle, and then a couple of like almost biohacks that I've been enjoying um, and implementing in my own practices. But the first thing I did mention briefly is carbs. Carbohydrates, guys, they are a great tool to manage stress. They help enhance our hormonal output. So they obviously we know they boost muscle growth, help spare muscle when we're in a you know calorie deficit, which we don't want to be in right now. If you're struggling with high stress, 
Your body does not need you compounding that with being in a calorie deficit, but they also activate neurotransmitters. So they help get us out of that fight or flight state, out of that stress response. They help blunt that cortisol. That's why when I say, if you're going to train in the morning or if you're going to wake up, eat breakfast, eat breakfast with carbs and protein and fats. Um, It's very important that we try to minimize our time spent in that sympathetic state right now. So carbs help regulate that. They also help us return. So they help us return back to the parasympathetic relaxed state after workouts. So your nervous system needs you, not just your muscles, your nervous system needs you to refuel with carbohydrates. I love a good like mango or something that people would probably consider like a high glycemic carb mangoes, honey, things like that after a workout helps your body recover from those taxing workouts. It's an essential, you know, in terms of recovery, but also for your muscles um, and your nervous system as well. And then they also help us stabilize blood sugar. So we can't just consume, most people don't do well just consuming protein or we need the carbs in combo because they do raise our blood sugar, but that's not a bad thing. They actually help us when insulin is is secreted, they kind of help um, remove all the other amino acids from the blood. So except one of the chill ones. So they can easily enter the brain. It's a quick carb source, a quick fuel source. They boost serotonin production. All all in all, guys, carbs are friends. Carbs are friends. I also do recommend that most people take a break from caffeine. Now, if you've been relying on this and – it's going to be tough for the first few days if you have been depending solely on caffeine, but your body's natural energy will come back. Our, Our circadian rhythms and our cortisol rhythms are absolutely phenomenal. Our bodies are so adaptive. We need to, if you can't go cold turkey, that's fine. But planning to try to avoid overdoing caffeine or relying on caffeine, turn to what we just talked about. Food is fuel. Caffeine is not fuel. Caffeine is likely dysregulating you. So we already, we want to make sure that we're helping to manage our cortisol levels, backing off caffeine, um, and if you can, spending at least several weeks off. You'll probably find you don't even need it. In terms of nutrition otherwise, we definitely want to make sure we're focusing on nutrient density. Lack of nutrients is a stressor, especially if you're somebody who has other hormonal issues, you're on hormonal birth control, the standard American diet is going to do you no favors. So we want to focus on minerals, nutrients, getting as much whole foods in as possible. A food is either fueling our disease or fueling our, you know, optimizing our health. And we want to make sure we're not making things worse with the food we eat. So my recommendation, especially in a healing phase, guys, is just simple, simple meals. Just get your nutrients in, get your macronutrients in, get plenty of them, get lots of of minerals. So I love to add like a real sea salt. Um, I like Redmond sea salt, or you can do like a a Celtic sea salt and making sure it's a high quality one that's going to help replenish a lot of minerals. We need enough electrolytes. Stress steals those. So when our cortisol is high, guys, we're going to burn through those nutrients really fast. Supporting potassium, magnesium, sodium. It's so key to supporting the adrenal glands. I also, so I personally am eating animal-based right now. And that's just means that I'm eating meat. I'm eating 
tons of fruit, I'm eating butter, and I'm eating some honey. And that's working really well for me. Increasing carb sources is, is crucial, but also balancing that blood sugar. That means getting enough bioavailable protein, getting enough of those healthy animal fats. Those are going to be anti-inflammatory, and they're going to help your body lower those cortisol levels. Eating every four to five hours can also be beneficial. If you're wanting to support blood sugar, I honestly recommend larger meals and then listening to your hunger cues and eating as often as you need to. But sometimes snacking can actually dysregulate blood sugar. So the more balanced blood sugar we have, the better off our hormones will be. Um, I am also doing a couple of different things, and I talked about kind of these biohacks, continuing to use my red light. So red light, sunlight, like I talked about, they are so crucial for hormone production. So raising up those other good hormones that cortisol has likely tanked and lowering cortisol levels. When you go outside and you feel better immediately, it's because of the sun. So plenty of morning sunlight for me using my red light in the morning. I do have a discount code for my EMR tech red light. I will link it in the show notes. Um, I use it for 20 minutes in the morning. Absolutely love it. Has been so crucial for natural energy production, sleep. I've noticed a difference in my skin. So many things. And then I also love to get out at sunset because that cues your body to produce melatonin when it gets that red light at night because it's like, oh, the sun's going down. Time to go to sleep now. So that's super important. I've also been implementing three, maybe four sauna sessions per week. Heat and cold therapy are great for increasing your body's resiliency to stress. And they've been proven um, alternating heat and cold therapy. I learned this from Dr. Huberman. Um, He's an amazing resource for all things like hormone and biology. But um, alternating hot and cold therapy can actually really – has been shown to reduce cortisol levels. So like I said, we want some. But if your cortisol levels are chronically elevated, implementing things like a sauna, things like red light, um, things like ice baths and like that are all really beneficial. And obviously, we want to moderate training. Talked about this a little bit, but lifting for me right now, honestly, I'm scaling it way back, scaling it way back, lifting um, probably no more than three days a week, not doing any intense cardio. You guys know I'm a I'm really a junkie. Like I love my cycling class and I was only going once, maybe every two weeks. So not a lot, but I I know I need to just focus right now on restorative movement, walks, not training to failure. I think as intrinsically motivated people, so for me especially, it's hard for me to go to the gym and not go hard. So that's why I know I just need to just take the – least effective dose. Um, I'm focusing on maintaining muscle right now, but I don't want to push it. It's just not worth it. I know my hormones are more important and it will only hurt me in the long run if I push it during this kind of healing phase. So moderating training, I would say, you know, get some lifts in, focus on, you don't need to keep, you don't need to keep your heart rate up for your whole lift. You don't need to be doing circuit training. You just need to be focused on maintaining muscle mass and Walking, that's honestly great. If you can get walks outside, a double whammy. Win-win. Last thing, chilling out. We need more fun. We need more sleep. Yes, you know, that's crucial. I didn't mention that, but get more sleep, especially during a healing phase. If you know your hormones are, are shot, get sleep. 
get so much good sleep. Your body will thank you. It will expedite the healing process for you. But really, other than that, we need more parasympathetic activities, connecting with people. We need more fun. We need more laughter. Get out in the sun, play, do those things that you used to love that helped kind of like stimulate your brain and, you know, make you feel good, kind of give you the things you get lost in doing, the things you're really passionate about. Those are all super beneficial things. Our bodies are not just skin and bones, guys. You know, we're such, such complex beings and we need to start to relax the nervous system part of our bodies. So yes, our physical beings, but also our nervous systems. So get do those things that, you know, make you feel just good inside, make you feel happy, make you feel chill. Spend time with the people that do that. Um, for me personally, I, I'm going to take this seriously. Um, so if you've been struggling with, this isn't, you know, the first time that I've ever had hormone issues. If anyone is new here, I did lose my cycle for five years when I was in college because I basically did the opposite of everything I'm telling you to do right now. And I was a stress case. And knowing now what I know then, I am not willing to lose my cycle. <laughs> After having it back for a year, I worked so hard to get it back. I've worked so hard to maintain it. I know that stress is the culprit usually. So I'm going to reevaluate in probably six weeks, get some more labs done, see where I'm at. Um, and I hope that this was helpful for you guys. If you found this beneficial, even just for preventative measures to kind of know what you don't want to do too much of or what you want to make sure you're continuing to implement in your day-to-day, -day, just as preventative, please go ahead and share this. Send this to someone who needs to hear it. Um, I really appreciate you guys. If you want to leave me a review on the podcast, that's super helpful. And I will catch up with you at the next episode.